Good morning. It is a beautiful day. We're glad to be together. Thank you for being here. I know that we have a number who are not here, and understandably so. There are some neighborhoods that are still uh, very much dealing with snow and ice, but we're glad you're here, and thank you for that. If you are looking for a church home, as always, we invite you to consider the work here. It would be an honor for us to have you come and join hands with us as we work together side by side to share the Lord, not just in this community, but really around the world. Thank you for the songs that have been led today by Danton. We appreciate that, the scripture that's been read. And now we're going to be looking at Luke 15. I want to make mention of the fact that tonight we would have been looking at Luke 15 because we're looking at key chapters in scripture. However, as you know, last Sunday we were unable to meet and so what I've done to try to make sure that we stay in step is to deal with Luke 15 this morning, and then we'll look at Matthew chapter 28 tonight. And so I would direct your attention to Luke 15 in our study together this morning. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 15, we have a series of parables delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ. In my estimation... Luke 15 is one of the mountaintop parables of our Lord. In this context, Jesus deals with God's love for the human family. Unquestionably, God loves each and every one of us. In Luke 15, 1 and 2, the passage that Sean read a moment ago, Luke tells us that Many tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus so that they might hear Him. And there was a murmur among the scribes and the Pharisees. And they wanted to know why the Lord Jesus would receive sinners and eat with them. What they failed to understand is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. You remember Jesus said in the home of Matthew, Matthew, by the way, was a tax collector. And Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There's something to be said about the gracious love of Almighty God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, God is love. Over and over again, we read of passages of Scripture describing and detailing the tremendous love that God has for us. John 3.16, often said to be the golden text of the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I think about passages like Romans chapter 5 at verse 8. When Paul said, God commends His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then who could forget Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul said, But God, who is rich in mercy, for the great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. God's love for us is indescribable. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said, speaking of Christ, 
and God, He that spared not His own Son, but freely gave Him up for us all. If only the scribes and the Pharisees could have understood that. Some did, but many did not. And so in Luke 15, Jesus tells a triad of parables. He begins with the lost sheep. Here's a shepherd that has a hundred sheep and one leaves the fold. That shepherd leaves the 99 in the wilderness and goes in search of that straying sheep. The Bible says when he finds it, he lays that sheep on his shoulders and rejoices. And then he talks about the lost coin and how the woman who had ten coins and lost one diligently searched until she found that lost coin. And the point of emphasis was on that which was lost and found. And the joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Put your plate, put yourself today, if you can, in the third parable, the parable about a lost son. It might be that as we look at this narration today, you can identify with this lost son. You know what it means to be in that far country. Maybe at one time you were in that distant country and have come home. This could well be your son or your daughter. Could be a sibling. Might be a grandparent. Possibly a mate. Many of us, we know. We know the harsh reality of prodigal living. And so in Luke 15, Jesus, in a masterful way, tells a story of a young son who leaves home and ultimately finds a lot of difficulties. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the lost son. And the theme of our study today has to do with the father's love. I know that in the text, we're talking about two children, two sons, and a father. But really, the point is that God's the Father, that we are the children. So what about this lost son? First, as Jesus begins His narration, He talks about the desire of the younger son. Hard to imagine going to your father and asking for your inheritance while he's still alive. Somewhat incredulous, isn't it? And that's what this young son asked. Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. The Bible tells us that the father divided his living. In other words, he gave him his portion, which would have been about a third of his estate. So the younger son wanted wanted his inheritance, and he wanted it now. And then the Bible speaks of his departure. Jesus said not many days after, he gathered all together and took a journey into a far country. Imagine if you had been living in the first century 
Let's just say that you lived in a rural area and you had heard stories about Athens and Corinth. Or maybe you had heard people talk about Rome and all the glories and splendor of Rome. As a young person, you wanted to visit one of those great cities. You wanted to experience it. This young fellow, he wasn't satisfied at home, wanted to go out into that distant country and get a feel for what the world was all about. So he departed. And the Bible tells us that he reached his destination. He took a journey into a far country. One writer has said with regard to the far country, spiritually speaking, it is the land where God is not. This young fella, now separated from the father that had reared him, cared for him, put clothes on his back, food on the table, given him the very best and finest. And yet this young son, disenchanted with home life, wants to go out to the big city and enjoy life. So he arrives, he reaches his destination. I think about as a parent. We have foresight that our children don't necessarily possess. We know the hidden dangers of the world, don't we? Many of us, we have seen what the world has to offer. We can see through the charade of the world. We can see through the veneers of the world, so to speak. And we understand the problems that can be associated with big city living. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with living in a big city. I love big cities. I like rural places. But as a parent, we know the troubles our children can get into when they get away from home. Sometimes as parents, when our children go away to college, we worry about what they're going to be doing, the company they'll keep, the places they'll venture out to. Imagine your child at a young age, telling you that he or she is going to move to Los Angeles or San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Atlanta, Miami. You pick the city. A lot of hidden dangers. So this young son, he reaches his destination only to be met with difficulties. Now Jesus said that he took a journey into a far country, and there he wasted his substance with profligate living. Some translations say riotous living. And the idea is that he went out and sowed a lot of wild oats, didn't he? Jesus doesn't stop there. But he said, when he spent all. Imagine this young fella. He's gone out into the big city, pocket full of money, good clothes on his back, life is good, looking for lots of fun. Then he gets to town, relishes every minute of it, immerses himself in the culture of that city. Only 
to run out of money. And then what? I would imagine having arrived in town with a lot of money, nice clothes. He was the life of the party. I can only imagine how many people were clinging to him. They wanted to be around him. Why? Because he had a pocket full of money. Years ago, when I was a teenager, a friend of mine who lived across the street, his father was tragically killed on a military base. His mother received a large sum of money by the government. For whatever reason, my friend's mother decided to give him thousands of dollars. Just turned it over to him. And let me tell you what, before you know it, he had the finest sports car, running back and forth to Florida, doing this, doing that. But after a period of time, guess what happened? Ran out of money. And you know what? When he had all kinds of money and going back and forth to Florida and doing this and doing that, he had a lot of friends, a lot of people hanging on. Why? Because he was paying their way. They were enjoying life. But it all came to a crashing halt. This young son faced some difficulties. The Bible says, Jesus said, that there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And the text says, no one gave him anything. You're in a distant land. You've had a lot of money. You've had fine clothes. You've had the best of the best. And now guess what? You're out living on the street. Many of us, we see people living on the street, homeless. Some there because that's the life they choose. Some because of problems in life. They get derailed, and before you know it, one thing leads to another, and here they are. So this young fellow goes to one of the citizens of that country who sends him into the field to feed the swine. And the Bible says he would gladly have filled his belly with the husk or the carobs the swine ate. And no man gave him anything. Disgrace. Can you imagine what it would have been like for a Jewish boy to be in a distant country, separated from family and friends, penniless, no money to buy food, and here you are out grazing with unclean animals. Could I say to you today that sin is a terrible taskmaster? The devil will offer you the world and he never delivers on what he promises. Not one time. Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15, many years ago. Solomon said, the way of the transgressor, listen to him, the way of the transgressor is hard. This boy came to understand he came to understand something about the consequences of the actions of life. What's the old saying? 
For every action, there's a corresponding reaction. This young son was eating in a pig pen, not because that's what his father wanted, not because he hadn't been taught better. He was there because of choices that he had made. That is a hard truth. It is tough to look back sometimes and see the problems that we have and to understand, to come face to face with the fact that we created the mess that we're living in. It's tough. So we read of his difficulties, the disgrace. You know, there are people today that live beneath the knowledge they possess. If you were brought up in a Christian home and you're living as a prodigal, you weren't brought up that way. Your mom and daddy didn't rear you to live a life among the swine of the world. Your parents wanted better for you. And look, as a parent, we want the best for our children, don't we? I mean, we want to do the very best for our, our sons and our daughters because we love them. And we have invested in them. We're interested in their well-being, their welfare. And we want them to make wise choices in life. And so, out here in this far country, Jesus says there was some discernment or discovery. It's often been said that you can't, you can't make changes in life until you hit rock bottom. Now, there are some people that make changes before they hit rock bottom. A lot of folks have to be flat on their back. They've got to lose everything before they realize just how destitute they are in life. It might be the case that you're here today. And you've been thinking about that life in a distant land, the land where God is not. And you've been struggling with the decisions that you've made in the past. You feel disgraced. You feel like you brought shame and reproach on your family name, on the name of Christ as well. But Jesus said, in verse 17, this young man came to himself. I take that to mean that that light went off. The bells began to ring. In other words, he can now see life with some clarity, can he? He's at the bottom of the pile. Can't get much worse. He's out here grazing with the swine. And all of a sudden, Jesus in his narration said, he came to himself. And he started thinking, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare and I'm perishing here with hunger? Been a long time since I've had a good meal. Been a long time since I've been associated with my family and my friends, the people that genuinely love me. Somewhat sad when you think 
he had reached a point of destitution where in his own mind, the servants in his household had it better than he did. So, that being said, we talk about the lost son. What about the loving father? You see, the other side of the coin here is the loving father. And there's some things that I think we ought to think about when it comes to the nature of God. Some things that you need to think about. If you're in that distant land, please listen very carefully. Understand, you don't have to stay in that distant land. It may be the case that you've wasted a lot of years with regard to your spiritual heritage. But you don't have to throw it all away. Number one, let's talk about the will of the Father. What do you think the will of this Father was with regard to His Son? Do you really think in your heart of hearts that He wanted to see His Son to make, make the decisions that He made? Do you think that He wanted to see His Son take His inheritance at a youthful age and go out and squander everything and live in shame and disgrace, the answer is a resounding no. No more so than you do as a parent for your child today. If you thought in 20 years that your child would be homeless, a drug addict, an alcoholic, if you thought for one minute that the child that you reared in your home would end up in that distant city, it would break your heart. Listen to what the Bible says. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Here's what the Bible says. God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God is interested in you. Why? Because you are the crown of His creation. Because He spared not His own Son, but freely gave Him up for you. You see, we can talk in generics. The world, yes, it was the world, but it was for you and for me. God's will. God doesn't want to see any of His creation suffer. Doesn't want to see any of His creation suffer shame and disgrace. If they do, it's their choice. So I see something about the will of the Father. But then also I'm reminded of the waiting Father. The text doesn't tell us how long a span of time intervened between the child leaving home, this young son leaving home, and facing all of these difficulties. But you imagine, put yourself in the place of the Father. Do you not think that every single day you would be waiting, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day my son is going to realize where he is and what's going on in life, and he's going to realize with clarity what he's lost and what he's given up, and he'll make the decision to come home. Here's what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 
and to count that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. Do you know why Jesus hasn't come? Because He is giving you time and opportunity to get your life right, to get your act together. If you're out in that distant country to understand that God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Father, pictured here as waiting on the Son. But then also I think about the watchfulness of the Father. How many days do you think the Father looked out in the distance and wondered, will I see my Son on the horizon? Now Jesus said when He was yet a great way off, His Father saw Him. That says to me that the Father was watching and waiting. He was looking for His boy. He wanted His Son to come home. The watching Father. Could I say to you today that the Father in heaven his will for you is that you live a life that is above this world. That you live for Him. That you enjoy His blessings. The Father is waiting on you right now. He's watching. So here's this Father. He's been waiting on His Son for a long, long time. I suspect He's rendered up, offered up many prayers on His behalf shed tears on his behalf, thought about his well-being, what's going on, how's he doing. And then off in the distance, he sees that boy. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the idea is he continued to kiss him, hugged his neck. Why? Because this, my son, was lost and is found. He was dead and is alive. It says something to us about the welcoming father, doesn't it? Put yourself in the shoes of that young man. He's thinking at best, maybe my father will let me be a hired servant just a servant. And yet, the reception he got, I believe, unlike anything he could have imagined. Here is the father, when he sees that boy in the distance, he runs to him. And when he meets him, he hugs him, he kisses him. He's got compassion for him. Why? Because this is my boy and he's come home. Wouldn't you be that way if that were your boy? If that were your girl? You better believe it. There are a lot of folks, in their heart of hearts, they think because of where they've been and what they've done, the lifestyle that they have lived or that they are living, that there is no conceivable way God in heaven would ever, ever, Take them back. 
And yet here's what the beauty of Scripture says. No matter how far we go, no matter what we do, no matter what kind of sin we might find ourselves in, God will always take us back. Always. Without question. Says something to me about gracious forgiveness. The Hebrew writer said, talking about the covenant under which we live, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. You know, Jesus talked about the new birth in John 3. The importance of being born again because He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The new birth affords us a new beginning, doesn't it? If you have lived the life of a prodigal, what is it you want right now more than anything else? Clean start. A new beginning. To feel like that there's a God in heaven who really cares, and He does. There's a God in heaven who will wrap His arms around you and forgive you of all of your sins. I think sometimes people have this idea that if they're good enough, maybe God will love them. Let me tell you what, God didn't send His Son to die for good people. Paul said, when we were yet without strength, Christ died, listen to him, for the ungodly. God who spared not His own Son freely gave Him up for us all. Imagine that. There is gracious forgiveness. You can leave here today. You will have a new beginning. And not just a new beginning, but you can enjoy new blessings. Don't you think when this young fellow got home, that he got a clean start, a new beginning, got new blessings again? Didn't Jesus say to the servants in his household, didn't he say, put a robe on his shoulders, a ring on his finger, bring the fatted calf, let's eat and be merry. Why? Because this my son was lost and is found. He was dead and is alive. Forgiveness also says to me something about the golden fellowship that we enjoy with the Lord. The ring, the robe, the shoes on His feet, were those not things indicative of a restored relationship in that family setting? Yes, they were. It might be that you've lived a prodigal life for a long, long time. And maybe you've been out in that distant country and you've thought about coming home, you've wondered about coming home, but you've never made that decision. I can promise you this, if you do, there will be golden fellowship. The elder brother typified the attitude of the scribes and the Pharisees. Their haughtiness or arrogance their self-righteous disposition 
that they didn't need anything or anyone. Let me tell you what. When you come home, we'll be here to welcome you home with God. We'll be here to wrap our arms around you and show you that we love and care for you. Golden Fellowship. And then, what about his future? Been out in that distant country. He's out there all alone, all alone. And now he's home. This boy that had no future now has a future. Could I say to you, if you're outside of Christ and you're out in that barren land where God is not, you do not have a future. There is no future grazing with the world. Because as John said, the world passes away and the lust thereof. If you're in the world, you have hooked your wagon to a system that at some point in time will give way. So to think that you, that you can have your fortune reversed. That as somebody who didn't have a future, now you have a future, don't you? The fellowship, the forgiveness, the future that we have as God's people. And here's the beauty of all of it. If you're a child of God, and you're out in that distant land, and you've been out there for a long, long time. Something has been tugging at your heart for a long time, but you've never given in to doing what you know to do is right. I want you to know today, the Father, the Father is still waiting. He's still watching. He's still here to welcome you home. Don't die out in that distant land. Don't leave here without the Lord. You can't afford to. Something to be said about the Father's love. God loves you. You know it, I know it, we all know it. Sometimes, though, we don't live as if we know just how much He loves us. Could I encourage you today? If you're out in that distant world, I want you to think about your mama and your dad. Let's just say you grew up in a, in a Christian home. They don't want you to live in that land any longer. Your Father in heaven does not want you to live in that land any longer. Do you hear me? He wants you home. As a parent, we want the best of the best for our children, don't we? John said, Behold what manner of the love, what love the Father has bestowed on us that we might be called the children of God. You're loved. You will always be loved. God may not approve of what you're doing. He might not, he might not sanction your lifestyle, but I'm here to tell you, He loves you. He will always love you. And He wants you home today. What if you're not a Christian? What do you need to do? 
You need to believe that Jesus is who He claimed to be, the Son of God, John 8, 24. You need to be willing to repent of your sins, to come to yourself, to realize where you are in life, to look into the mirror of God's Word and to see yourself as you are, and to say, you know what, I've got to make some changes. I've got to make some changes in my life, and I'm going to do that right now. And then to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. Would you then be buried with Him in baptism, as Jesus talked about in Mark 16, 16, because he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you're here today and you're a Christian, and you're a prodigal, you remember the song, God is calling the prodigal home? He's calling you. He's calling you right now. Our elders would be happy to pray for you and with you right now. Please don't wait. Come home where there's forgiveness, there'll be fellowship, and you'll have a future. Unlike anything the world has to offer. Won't you come as we stand and sing?